Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. Oftentimes in marriage, a current problem is rooted in something that happened years or maybe even decades ago. And that applies to the realm of sexuality in marriage as well. I'm John Fuller, along with my Focus colleagues, Greg and Aaron Smalley. And Aaron, you've observed before on this podcast that sexual problems often are related to past trauma and pain. So you've done a lot of counseling. What are some of the most common challenges in this aspect of the marriage relationship? Mm -hmm. I mean, this can show up in many different ways, and it's... Um, it's that painful past, you know, it creates fears and shame, toxic shame within an individual. And especially if it's hidden and it's, you know, rooted very deeply, um, things are showing up and it's not making sense. And so it's, it's key for that person to, to really dig in and explore what is going on here because the spouse might be going, I don't know what's going on, but I, I notice, you know, there's resistance to engaging in sex because in some ways it could be like PTSD. Mm. And so it's worth digging into, into the deeper um, realities, painful realities yeah. of what an individual has been through. Well, let's go ahead and uh, continue on this this path that we're on, if you will. Uh, Mylan and Kay Yurkovich are two of our most popular broadcast guests. And uh, they've addressed the love styles concept, so very effective at that. Here they're discussing how the love styles can impact your sex life. And I should note on a previous episode, they brought up the avoider and the pleaser. Those are two of the different love styles. And here they address the other types. Uh, Mylan and Kay, I want to go back and cover the other three categories you've identified, the vacillator, the controller, and the victim. Describe these so our listeners can hook into the descriptions and maybe understand themselves better. So the vacillator, how does that personality manifest itself in marriage and within this area of intimacy? Okay, well, first of all, it's not a personality type. It okay. is it is our experience from being in an attachment experience as a child, infant, into adolescence. So, Kay, how would you, therefore, describe... I, I would say it's a wound. It, it is a wound, but then... The vacillator? Yeah. The vacillator is someone who has, everyone has to meet an ideal standard. And that's to keep their childhood pain at bay. So what happens in their relationships is they're always disappointed because no one's ideal. So they're always protesting. You need to do this. You, you know, they're protesting to their kids. They're protesting to their spouse. You need to do this. You need to do that. And what people feel living with a vacillator is, I can never please, it's never good enough. And so whether they're married to an avoider or a pleaser, the very thing they hope for, which is connection, they sabotage with their anger and protesting. Okay, let me ask you, and Mylan, when you describe the vacillator, what's popping up in my head is many of us in the church. Oh, all these are, we're all in the church. But this, this one is, particularly this is because, and I, I don't know the percentage, you do probably, but when you look at people, people that have a high standard that um, want to live by rules, if we do these rules, then we are achieving our A+. That's what I'm hearing you say. That sounds like, in a spiritual context, people in, in the faith who want to do well. well. Is there a connection there? It, well, I think we can spiritualize any of these attachment wounds and say, well, they're fine because they have a spiritual basis. 
But the vacillator and their protest is usually unkind. It's usually directed Harsh. outward. They can criticize you, but you can't criticize them. So it's not about not having a standard or a goal of something to grow. It's about I want you to be perfect so that I don't have to feel any pain. Huh. And I don't think the vassar always realizes that they have a lot of anxiety um, about if everything's good, then I'm going to look good and my family's going to look good and there's going to be no pain. So, but How does that play in the intimacy space? It plays out like this, that if the vacillator is in a good place and they're like an off-on switch, and so if they're in a good place and the switch is all good, then sex can be fun, it can be interesting, it can be intense, it can be highly passionate. Vacillators can be some of the most passionate people uh, with respect to that intensity. and But they mistake, if you will, intensity for intimacy. And so intensity is what they're craving and searching for. But then what happens is if anything has been spoiled, mm-hmm. uh, either in the day or the week or the vacation or whatever the case may be. Some imperfection. Some imperfection, boom, the switch goes off and sex is off limits. You know, I don't want to touch you. Uh, don't even think about it. And uh, Because you didn't feed the dog on time. Uh, it I mean, could it's be just anything. a totally it could dis- it a could disconnected be, thing. It could be anything unrelated yeah. to sex. I'm not... Because right now, they see whoever is responsible for what they didn't like as responsible for the bad act. So let's hit that fourth uh, unhealthy attachment difficulty, um, typically born out of your childhood, and I get that. It's that controller and victim mentality. Um, What does that look like, especially in the area of intimacy? Well, the controller is going to control what happens sexually. And when, when I've worked with people who need high levels of control, noncompliance takes them back to feeling powerless, humiliated, um, afraid. And so they're always moving towards a position where I'm in control and you do what I say. So That's they, a very unhealthy situation. It's a very unhealthy mm-hmm. situation. But we always have to remember when we are encountering these kinds of families, and there's many of them in the church because God sees those wounds, that these are born out of tremendous hurts, this style in particular, the controller always has a horrific history underneath. Interesting. And so their need for control can be very dominating and very hurtful to those around them. They often hook up with a victim and they replay the roles that they grew up with. One has all the power, one is powerless. But they are also addicted to sexuality. If you're a controller, they're, they're just filled with addictions, whether it's alcohol, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And sex is one of those addictions mm-hmm. that when I'm agitated inside, it is something that takes my mind off everything. And for a brief moment, I'm free from my agitations. And so sex then becomes a way to self-medicate. And that's very common with especially the controller male. So you'll, you'll see various addictions, including sexual addictions, and then with the compliance factor that Kay just mentioned, boom, sexuality is just whenever, whatever, however I want it, that's what we're going to have. The victim component The of victim this? component says, I've tolerated intolerable circumstances my whole life. So I have no voice. I have no ability to resist. And quite often, victims dissociate, that, which means they're physically present, but their mind disconnects from the experience so that they're actually not there. They don't experience it. And so it is common for us to hear in our offices that for victims, uh, they get married 
And then all of a sudden, when they're having a sexual intimacy moment with their spouse, they report that I'm not there. And so there's a dissociative element to the victim. And so there's no adult voice and they have no ability to say to the other person, no, not today, or I can't do that right now. Or it's incongruous with my emotional state. What would that victim childhood have been like, just to describe one that you're familiar with? Abusive, hurtful, beatings, uh, sexual abuse, uh, shaming, ridiculing, treating- Powerless. Powerless, treating in unkind ways, uh, making that particular child or all the children- Treat it less kindly than you would treat your animals. Right. Lastly, because we're out of time, uh, we've got to get to the secure connector. The secure connector has a voice. The secure connector has the ability to describe their inner state and ask you what's going on in you, inside you. And you say Jesus was a secure connector. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he the model. Our, he is our model. And, and Paul, in the apostle, in Ephesians 4, says we're to grow up to look like him. Mm-hmm. And he tells us to put off the old man, yeah. which is what I had to do, in order to more resemble Christ and grow up. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the secure connector looks like Jesus because when you look at all these attachment styles, they don't match what you see in the Lord. And so the secure connector, especially sexually, is going to be able to be honest. They're going to negotiate a sexual encounter. They're going to talk during sex about what they like and what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And of course, this is in the context of marriage with their spouse. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, So they're not going to have some of the struggles because they grew up in a home, most likely, where there was some emotional vulnerability and where there were memories of comfort and where there was clear ability to resolve conflict. And resolving conflict is a huge part of having a good sexual relationship. All right, Greg, that was really insightful. Let's go ahead and turn a corner, and let me ask how you encourage someone to trust God, especially with this gift of sexuality, when his or her spouse uh, has a struggle and they just can't seem to address it. Which is so painful within a marriage because it's, it's, it's tugging at such deep, deep, painful issues and emotions and the rejection someone might feel, the disconnect. I mean, all of that just puts such a strain on the relationship. And so one, if you're going through that, so I just hate that for you guys. I'm sure that neither one of you really want that. That's not where you want your marriage to be. I think it's so important, though, within that just to be so crystal clear on what you can control and what you can't. I know it's sort of it's easy to say that. Well, you know, you can't control her or her desires or what's going on or if she's going to deal with an issue, but you really can't. All that effort and energy that you might use to try to get your spouse to go get help, to seek professional assistance, whatever, talk this thing through, you just at the end of the day, that that's really not your job. Now, that doesn't mean that those feelings aren't real and that... that that you've got to at some point figure out what can you do about how you're feeling. But just I think it always helps to step back and go, okay, what what can I control and what can I not? I've got to let go of what I can't and let God be in charge of that. Mm-hmm. He just he is. And that's hard and that's scary and that then that's very, very painful and that can make someone feel super helpless. But the clearer I can be on what I can control, that actually creates some some power, something that I can do you know, something that I can actually control. And so that just first and foremost, figure out, 
where should you be spending your energy? And it's usually not focused on your spouse. Yeah, and I, I've been reading in the Psalms a lot lately in the Old Testament, and I, I find a lot of comfort there, regardless of what the struggle is um, that I might be going through or somebody that I know is going through, because David and the other psalmists, they expressed the heart. They, mm-hmm. they said, hey, God, I'm really distressed about this. I'm really sad about this. I'm really mad about this. We can take those things, those unrealized expectations. All those deep emotions yeah, and we can, hurt we can and pain. take those to him because he cares. Yeah. yeah, and just notice so often in the Psalms, there's the lament, lament, um, you know, Lord, take revenge. And, you know, they're expressing all these emotions. But then, you know, as, you, as, you, as it gets toward the end of the Psalm, you'll start noticing some peace. Yeah. And there's a shift. And you, I will trust, oh God. Yeah. Something yes. like that. Yeah, and that's what what happens mm. for us when we're in these painful, difficult situations, when we aren't in control of what our spouse chooses to do or not do, we can show up in ways that we have influence. We yeah. can manage our own emotions, care about what we're going through, seek counseling ourselves, and then show up with an open heart with compassion and empathy yeah. towards our spouse and the pain that they've experienced. Well, we know that there are a lot of hurting uh, marriages out there. We we talk to so many of you who call our counseling team, and I'm going to make sure that if you don't know, Focus on the Family has a really caring team of Christian counselors. They're a phone call away. Um, call our toll-free number, 800, the letter A in the word family, and ask to schedule a consultation time. They'll set something up for you, and one of those professionals will give you a call back. And if you need to, um, they'll arrange for you to be connected to somebody in your own area so you can have an ongoing uh, face-to-face conversation with somebody uh, on a regular basis. Uh, That's a free service. Our donors make it possible, and we'd love to hear from you if you're struggling in your marriage. And then we've bundled together the great book from Mylan and Kay Yurkovich, How We Love, along with the CD of the entire conversation we had with them, which is one of our best of broadcasts uh, from the past several years. Uh, That bundle is How to Have a Better Sex Life, and uh, we're making that available for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. Join the support team today, make a monthly pledge or a one-time gift, and we'll send that How to Have a Better Sex Life bundle uh, out to you as our thank you gift. All the details are in the show notes, or just call that toll-free number. Next time, Dr. Ron Welch and his wife Jan will join us to discuss why you shouldn't make big decisions too quickly as a couple. Should be pretty interesting. I hope you could join us. I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of the Smalleys and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.